This is the Paranormal Search Radio Show and Podcast. Discussing unexplainable events that shape our extraordinary world. I will start by saying yes. I have agreed to be the one who understands why they would come in my life and have come for centuries. I will expound on the definition of theophany because it will help us understand what it is when it happens. These are not descriptions of someone who did not have a frame of reference to have these encounters. Actually, I sought it out by being a student of it for many years. However, to read about it and to be a part of a phenomenon as such is different. I just ask that you remain open. You picked up this book because of curiosity. Maybe it will help. It has the capacity to do many things. It has been a wonderful part of my life to have access like this. My prayer is that you would open up a part of your heart to include the supernatural and what has become natural to me. I write about interdimensional themes with an understanding because I have an affinity, a connection with it. And in study to know more, I look it to be a place to expand my horizons, open to new possibilities, and seek the depth of my soul to self in a peaceful framework that is created without intrusion or hindrance. I seek out those who want to share their experiences as a community in a peaceful environment to develop, unfold, experience who you are and who you were meant to be and still are becoming. Being quote-unquote outside the natural realm unquote, is when I'm there in all of its quote-unquote otherworldliness and I am continuously aware that I am there. The time lapse is of no significance because I don't know how long I am there. It's more than a muse. It's more than hearing music coming from nowhere, which I had experienced also. It has been the most revealing and powerful experiences in my life if you have access and communication from the spiritual realm. Microsoft and Apple have access to the spirit of technology. They all bring the miraculous up close and personal. Welcome to the Paranormal Search radio show and podcast. Tonight's guest is Devorah DeVitt. In this episode, she will explain her experiences with the supernatural in all forms from alien to angel. My name is Jeremy, and I conducted this interview with the president of our group, the Paranormal Search of Pennsylvania, Ross Weidler. We begin this interview with Devorah explaining a little bit about her past and how she began the writing process of her stories that will be included in her upcoming book, Angel's Theophany, When God Comes to Earth. I was always a reader and a loner. I finished high school, did some college, had children, that kind of thing. Right. Um, And then I started writing because I wrote one poem, and that started me on the writing aspect of it. Then I went and started uh, the speaking circuit with the poetry. 
It's kind of a speaking circuit. But um, guys, what is uh, the speaking circuit? It was me sharing my poetry in different audiences in different venues, a lot of libraries, workshops. Uh, I've done uh, internet radio. Uh, I had my own show at one point. They gave me my own show. Okay. Was it it on a streaming channel? It wasn't even virtual. It was a radio. It was internet radio. Okay, I got you. And people could call in, just like you're doing, I guess. Yeah, sure. People would call in, and he would play music, and he would have guests on. I noticed online it said you wrote for a series, In the Presence of Angels, and that's an Mm -hmm. e-mag? Yeah. It's still developing um, because I, I I wanted to put it in a, a magazine format. I thought that would be more appealing. Uh-huh. So I'm trying different formats, actually. So EMAG, that's an option I have, uh, depending on how I'm writing it. See, this is the other thing. I do writing workshops, right? So what do I tell people? Well, there's a lot of different ways you can present your work. Okay, do you want people to read your work or is it just for you? If you want people to read your work, then you have to do a sort of an editing for others. Uh, E-mag format or, you know, just a e-log format. Did your writing in this series, is any of that also in your book, Angel's Theophany, When God Comes to Earth? Okay, all right. This, this is the other title uh-huh. that I've given my work. And I chose that because of my vision, because that Boreasophany means a, a, a vision right in front of you that you can see right. from another realm. So um, that got me to kind of separate what was the theophany and what was the, uh, the inspiration for the theophanies. Well, I've had a lot of visions, so I'm saying to myself, it, do I want to share about uh, the the inspired idea of why, how that even came to me like that? I don't even know how it came to me like that. I only say it's inspiration because an inspired idea is, as someone once told me, shared this with me, when you say inspired, you're in spirit, aren't you? So you're not in physical, you're in spirit when you're being inspired or you're doing something of inspiration. And so I had a couple of categories of my work and I had to put it in certain categories. But, you know, here lately, since I've been on your show, since we've been doing the tapings, I'm going to put a lot of it in one book. I think it comes under, it can come under one title. And that's between heaven and earth. I can put a lot of the um, encounters and all the different insights. And um, am I am I on a soapbox about being, you know, spiritual? Because I'm doing a lot of comments on on certain blog pages and pages on on Facebook, right? And I, I can be pretty opinionated, but I'm only, only because, I, I, I can only come from my own experience. Can't come, that's the thing about paranormal and, um, inspiration. You, you come from yourself about it. You come from what you've been through about it. 
That's what I like about it, too. And I can always share about how it came to me. And the other thing about my my particular story, and I, I'm trying to find, that's what happened. I was trying to find out who else had this going on in their lives, like I had it going on in my life. You know, and um, I'm still looking because in my case, doctors told me my brain fires off theta gamma frequencies. So that's kind of like, hmm. And, and this... It's called, we call it epilepsy. <laughs> they call it uh, petite mal epilepsy. That was the diagnosis I was given. When I went to the doctor and I'm saying, why do I have the zoning out? phases in my day I can zone out and I'm somewhere else and you talked before about having many seizures is it the seizure that's giving out this type of energy from what the doctor's neurologist was telling me my brain is wired like that (laughs) and it still happens and so they yeah they want to put me on medication and I'm saying "Mm, that might be even more of a problem I don't want any medication I just wanted to understand what was happening with me. Right. It wasn't detrimental in the sense that, you know, okay, I don't need to be driving a car or doing anything, you know, like that, because if I'm zoning out, mm-hmm. I don't need to be behind a wheel. So I knew that. But I do need the self-expression and the artistic expression. So I was painting, I was drawing, I was writing. That came like whoosh, whoosh, whoosh very inspiring I would get inspired about anything and you know most things inspire me good or bad and when we're inspired uh, Mm -hmm. when some type of creative thought pops into our heads do you think this can be explained through metaphysics well I think a lot of uh, inspired processes can be explained from metaphysics because what is what is it it's non-physical okay it's higher than physical Metaphysics. Okay. So you're talking about those that tap into and can explain to us maybe their experience or why they're attracted to it. Uh, and I think that, that they were inspired by it. I think that those that are, uh, that have invented certain things, the, the inventors, you know, throughout history had inspired ideas. And a lot of it just was not on this uh, realm of existence. It took them somewhere, so they take us somewhere else. Right. It's not a physical. It's not on Earth as physical. Mm-hmm. Even though I love the work work of we love what who Audubon who did the drawings of the um, birds and flowers. <laughs> we love that. Now I think it's an inspired act. But we can learn how to draw. People can learn how to draw. We, we take lessons all the time. Well, what's the inspiration behind it? Well, he wanted to share it with the world. He wanted to show us the beauty and the wonder of birds and flowers. That was his angle. And a lot of people look at, can look at it like that. Right. It's not my particular angle, but uh, I can understand why he chose, why, how he was inspired by that. But it didn't take me anywhere beyond my the physical. It got me more in touch with the physical because birds and flowers are physical on the on earth, you know. But it was his inspired idea. So I would say 
And you can take anything and have it and have a metaphysical reaction to it, depending on how you see it. There is a balance there. Yeah. And he, would he say that he's metaphysical? Probably would. Because it takes some things a gift, you know, some things a gift. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can do what he did, even though they may love flowers and birds too. But it would take a gift and an inspired person to turn it into something that's inspiring, you know? Exactly. Yeah, I think I think that's what happens with uh, things that inspire us. It takes us somewhere else. That's what I love about it. It it takes me from this realm. Now you don't want to leave without your luggage. I mean, you don't want to just be out there. That's why I had to go and get a diagnosis because I I I was always a dreamer. I was always daydreaming. I, I was never. <laughs> I was a true space cadet, just just wandering around, not really interested in anything. I was never, hey, I want to tell you this. I was never interested in school, never, ever. What am I doing in this school? What is this place? Even when my dad said go to art school, couldn't even appreciate that. It was really? too, too closed in for me. Yeah, you couldn't find your purpose in it. Yeah, I mean, they're teaching us art and giving us ways to express it but uh, it still was not as free as I would have liked it to be. And your inspiration comes from another level. It does. It does. For me and if I was to do a talk on inspiration I I would say that and I would also say that I would hope my work takes you somewhere other than this dimension. Can you tell us about some of the paranormal experiences that you've had? Yes, and thank you for asking me because I'm formulating how the uh, how it all happened and the sequences and how it happened. So the first one, the first time, if you're interested in going, if I can take you back a little bit in my life, um, I would say that I got interested in reading books that had to do with uh, Van Donneken. I remember reading him when I was in high school. So that was, I'm just, just trying to tell you how I got into it. Okay, so the first instance I was thinking the most dynamic one and it's still the most one that I'll never forget because it was so <laughs> out there. I'm coming home from work. I'm working in the World Trade Center actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. Born and raised in New York. Okay. And I started my first job and one of the, my first jobs was to work in the um World Trade Center as a secretary to the branch manager. Okay. Um so coming home from work one night I put my key in, in the keyhole, and this really happened, but it's so beautiful. It's beautiful because it was totally very benign. It wasn't intrusive. It was just very curious that it even happened like that. So I put my key my key in my door. I go in. I'm unwinding from, from my day, and uh, I put my tape, or, or I turn on the light. 
The light switches on, off. So I'm thinking, okay, it might be getting a short or the bulb is blowing out. So I, tr- I turn it on again. Now, that act of turning on the light again, seeing if it's going to come back on, I hear an audible voice. Like someone over my shoulder, someone very, very near me, female voice. Do you not know that ye are the light? Old English or something like that. Uh-huh. Biblical English or something. <laughs> Do you not know that ye are the light? Well, my, my, is not in full consciousness. I'm not saying to myself, oh, I'm hearing a voice. I, I didn't go through that. I didn't even want to acknowledge that I was hearing another voice. I'm the only one in the room. Sure. Do ye not know that ye are the light? Then I'm hearing it. So before I can react, I'm taken, I'm abducted out of my room. I believe that's what happened because I feel myself being surrounded by this energy that was so beautiful. I mean, hey, I I, I wouldn't have resisted it if I knew what was going on even. I, I wouldn't have resisted it. Wait, do you think you were but still at the time? Do you feel like you were still in the room, or at that point you left? Oh my God, you have no um, cognizance of being anywhere. Really? They didn't give me a memory of where they were taking me. I just know I I missed some time because I find myself sitting on my bed. Well, I never did unwind from my job. I never did put on my tapes to listen to my music. I never did turn back on the light. You know, a sequence of things I don't remember doing. (laughs) All I remember is this voice and then blank. It's just a blank. Uh, But it wasn't intrusive. So I was open, I guess. That's the other thing I'm coming to, the openness that that, that people... Uh, you should be open to it because it really doesn't have to be so terrible. <laughs> I think a lot of people they are saying these abductions and these visitations, and it could be quite scary. Okay, mine never really is. Uh, I had another one the other night. Just the other I night? I already drew this one. Yeah, just the other night. Um... And I drew this one a long time ago. He made a visit in my room. The strangest looking thing. I mean, he's clearly not of Earth. He's clearly not human. Well, what does he look like? I drew a picture of him. I'll I'll show you. Maybe I'll send it to you. Yeah, that'd be great. He told me his name. You know, telepathy. They don't open them. I never see them open their mouths or such. I can't say never, but... um, Okay, so let me just go through the sequence. So that was the first one, mm-hmm. that abduction. And I'm just getting to na- understand that it was an abduction because I was missing time. That means you're taking somewhere. And so as a practicing Christian, I always want to ask, well, where am I taking? Where did they take me? Why did they take you? Where did they take me? And that was always curious. Where do I go? <laughs> where are they taking me when they take me? But you have no memory of it? I, I I don't have any memory of where they took me. I just have a memory of missing time and sitting on my bed 
and not going through my day like I would normally do it. Wow. How much time was missing during this experience? That's a good question, too, because um, I don't remember how much time it was. But I think it was, it could have been 15 minutes. And, and, and you know, that, that time thing is can be kind of tricky when you think, when you're talking quantum physics or something, you know. Sure, yeah. But um, I'm just saying, it was from one thing, all of a sudden I'm jumping to the next thing. So what happened in between? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I think it was still light outside, and even though I get home after five, I get home around six, maybe, have to ride the subway all the way up to the Bronx, and thirty-ish, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I do. I kind of remember that it might have been still light out, somewhat light out. Were you having any strange dreams before this happened? Yeah. I'm thinking that they were dreams and maybe they were not dreams. Hmm. I'm thinking, I remember sleeping in my grandmother's bed one time. She had a four-posted bed. She lived in Harlem and I, my family lived in the Bronx, but I remember sleeping in her bed in her room. Now, my grandmother, God rest her soul, God bless her. She, she, she knew some stuff, you know, and sometimes she would talk about it, you know, Oh, the angels were here last night or something like that, but nobody took any, you know, seriously enough. But when I slept in her bed, I had visions, and i thinking, was I awake to see that? Was I sweet to see that? Right. <laughs> and it was another encounter. I must have been about 14 years old. And um, it had something to do with the Bible, because I'm in her room, and my grandmother, she had these icons all over the place, you know, these Christian icons. And, um, on display. And, um, I wasn't into the Bible. I mean, she never took me to church or anything like that. Okay. <laughs> I just was very philosophical and I loved reading. All of a sudden I see my, myself, four me's in each corner of the room. And one me, is is got her hand on this Bible. She's telling me it's the Bible. It's this book. It's this. Well, I'll never forget that either because the Bible has come to mean a lot to me over the years. It really has, up to you know present time. I I love the Bible. I I, I didn't think much of it then because I had no way to connect it until that happened. Right. So that was number two. So I had that voice, audible voice. I had that dream state that I was beginning to be aware of, where I wasn't dreaming, I wasn't awake, I don't know where I was, but I had the vision. Are you of the belief that maybe the angels as described in the Bible were actually aliens? I'm coming to that conclusion. I really, I really am trying to be more congruent with that thought, because that's probably what it is. The only one I saw with the wings is the one that came to me on 42nd Street when I was at the the cafe. And she was so tall, so winged out and everything. And what she did with me, she was so tall, like a hundred feet or something. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I don't even know. But I wrote it all down and I wrote, and I drew a picture of her. And she, 
and rather than bend down, she might have done that too, but she brought me up to her. See, they can do all kinds of things like this. Mm-hmm. They can defy time and space and everything. She brought, I'm in, I'm in a cafe drinking coffee. She brings me up to her and, and I remember being like, uh, by where her wings are because I remember the wings flapping in the, some of the wings, the feathers flapping okay. in the wind. That's how I'm saying. How is it? If she's a hundred feet tall, I'm sitting in a chair a hundred feet below her. How do I see wings? How do I see her wings flapping in the breeze like that? And the it, feathers on her wings. You were in a cafe at this time. Yes, an outdoor cafe, an outdoor cafe. Okay, and you, and then you, I'm guessing you had some type of feeling that something was or someone was you watching you. You know what happens? You know what happens? Hmm. They put you in a state. Ah. Because they can't just, uh, some people have to be in a state to even comprehend for, for them to manipulate time and for them to manipulate you to even see them. Right. These theophanies like this, I think it's a manipulation of a couple of things, time and physicality and spirituality and all that. Uh, so in the beginnings, I, I had to be in a trans state, trans state. Because, um, and I could easily be like that because I kind of walked around like that anyway. I was always, like I said, my, my, my thoughts were always in the clouds and I always day, daydream. And, um, so it probably wasn't hard, but still it's, it's not normal to be seeing these things. <laughs> oh, it's a, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's your everyday occurrences and they know this. So, they put you in a trance, but you're not cognizant of anything else going on except the theophany happening in front of you. And that was her. That's amazing. And do I appreciate it? Well, she came a second time to me. Does she have a human-like appearance then in oh, her definitely. face? Oh, Hum- Beautiful. Humanoid. She had um, sand-colored skin. Not, not fairy white. She had a bob-type hairstyle, and she had, you know, these clothes that they would wear in these pictures with the, the empire dress. It was light blue, and the sash around it. And I'm telling you, it's like, when I think of her, my heart is like, wow, I have a friend that looks like that. <laughs> And, and the reason why I know she's my friend is because she came to me a second time. Well, I'm trying to find people who have, who are having these experiences. So this one lady I found named Lorna Byrne, she talks about her open visions with angels and she's got a couple of books out about it. So she was coming to town and, um, I was living in a dormitory type setting at the time. And I want to tell you, I think that I'm getting up at night to make a pit stop or something like that. And I, okay. she's in my room, this hundred feet angel. She, she's in my room with a big face. She's no longer that tall, but she's still kind of large. And I could only see her 
face and she's smiling. And I'm going, okay, let me, you know, because I, you can't be cognizant, you can't be all there when you're seeing these things at first. You, you, you gotta be in a trance state or something to even see it. But I saw her there and I went back to bed like as if nothing happened. And it was the most peaceful rest, the most peaceful rest, I tell you. I wrote a poem called A Place Called Peace. And, uh, but you, you never experience the kind of peace that an angel brings. It's just not. Right, that's amazing. You can't do it on the, you know, I can't even explain it. But it's, if, if I hadn't experienced it, I wouldn't know that there was that type of peace. And she left that with me. And she's always smiling at me. But she's so unusual. She just really is. <laughs> is she your guardian angel? I would think so. I would love to think so. I would love to think so. Uh, as far as guardians go, I'm sure she is. I can't talk to these things. They're too, oh my God. I don't even know what I would say, so I let them put me in the trance. Now here lately, some of them are clearly ETs. They've been visiting me, like the one that I told you about, the guy that looks just so from another planet. Right. But he wanted to hang out with me the other night. I'm, I'm looking at TV and doing my, my paperwork, and I'm noticing that he's standing there. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm not in a trance state, but I am very open you know you don't want to be closed because then they won't hang out with you they, they they probably won't even show up but he's standing there and i let him share what what it what it was it had something to do with i forget now but something that he thought i could help him with but something that he thought i he wanted to make me aware of okay something on his mind i i, I don't come from where he comes from so i'm trying to say Okay, so you got this problem, but you know, how do I fit into all that? But he, that's why they show up, they show up in, in my presence because they think I have this ability to have these feelings for how they feel. Like the ghosts, ghosts come, they, they want me to, they want to share some information with me too. Now that is, can be scary because ghosts, they're coming from a whole nother experience. They can be coming from a whole nother experience. They might have been in a traffic accident. They might have been shot, murdered, and there they are in front of you trying to give you a message to give to somebody else. That has happened to me. Okay. I That's too unnerving. That's too unnerving for me to give, give that up. <laughs> but the being that you saw, he was a man? Yeah. It was a male. How was, mm -hmm. What was his appearance like? Oh my gosh, it was like when I, his name was Godal, Godal, something like that. Uh-huh, yeah. I think it G-O-D-O-L, something like that. And he had a beak-type face that he had. And he looks like something out of the Guardian of the Galactica or something because, um, I'm sure he had wings, but I didn't, they, 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 they kind of, they was kind of closed up. But um, he had uh, metal-looking belts around his person. He stood on two legs. I don't like. I said I, I never. I don't know if I saw arms or not. Okay. And guess what he did? What? He was trying to convey something. And 
he gave me the, after he did this particular thing, he curled, he curled up on my floor in a fetal position. Really? And I'm going, mm-hmm, boy, I don't know what he's going through. But it gave me the impression that he was young. He might have been like 12 or 16. But who knows on this planet, that might mean he's, who knows, you know? Right. But it was such a immature thing to do, <laughs> you know, instead of talking to me, just curled up on a fetal position. And I went on with my paperwork before I knew it, he was gone, but some he wanted to convey something that he was, something that he wanted me to understand about something uh, that he needed me to see him in some kind of distress, something like that. Well, what can I do? Just like humans, we want to go where we can get the most empathy or we can get the most compassion where we're not feeling good, you know? And that right. was his that was his thing, I think. And I hope he's feeling better. But, you know, he's not somebody I don't want to wake up and see all the time or turn around and there he is. No, no, no. How did he leave? Did he disappear then? Yeah, they just disappeared. They just go go the way they came i guess and you say often at times when you encounter ghosts they are from a tragic background that it's not as comforting as seeing some of these other beings oh no it it just hasn't been that way for me i had three encounters with ghosts okay they're all three of them was the weirdest thing i'm sitting talking with a girlfriend in her uh, kitchen we're just talking she tells me that she found a dead body in the car. She had to call the police. Down the block, she found somebody in the car. They were dead, a female. I'm going, no, 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 nothing interesting. Right. The lady comes to me and says to me, please give her a message. Tell her I said thank you. He wanted her to know to thank her for finding her in that car. Who knows what happened to her in the car? Maybe she died of her own act. You know, I thought about this. Maybe it was suicide. Maybe somebody killed her. Maybe she took the wrong drugs or something. Right. But she was looking like she wasn't alive, and there she is at the foot of the stairs telling me she wants me to give the lady a message. One thing was, how come she didn't come to you? And it's a thank you. I just told her what just happened, you know, just to say thank you. You know, and I'm going, you know, (laughs) that broke me up. That was too unnerving for me because all the the surrounding implications of it was very sad. She looked very sad. And then she was already dead. So it wasn't much I could do. And she knew that she had died. Yeah. And that's what I'm thinking. Maybe it was a suicide because she was concerned about her body. (laughs) I don't know. When you take your own life, are you still concerned about the body? Maybe you are. And she just wants to tell a woman, thank you for finding her. So I'm with another girlfriend. We're sharing an apartment, a roommate. She comes and says, you know, Deb, I don't want to go to my aunt's wake. I I don't get along with my family. I don't think I want to go. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go. I can't listen to it. That's her problem. I have my own. You know, okay, fine. I'm like, how can I talk you out of it, talk you into it? It doesn't mean that much to me. I can probably understand how you feel. Maybe you don't even have to go into it, right? Right. All of a sudden, her aunt appears to me. 
<laughs> Please tell her to come to my work. I need her to be there. <laughs> I'm saying, Julie, your aunt is here. She wants you at the wake. She's telling me to tell you to come to the wake. <laughs> I said, does she wear a blue dress? And does she have dark hair, black hair? Yeah, she wears that blue dress all the time. I said, well, that, that's her. She's telling me to tell you to go to the wake. <laughs> that accident has really happened to me. Like, I... I, I didn't think one way or another about it. But they want to bring you into their drama. You know, ghosts. That's what ghosts do. Another time, I um I had to send that, that gift. I, I, those kind of gifts, I, I'm not crazy about because they're too unnerving to me. Another time, I'm in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. You know where Carlisle is. Mm-hmm. And, um... I had a neighbor there. I'm living there at the time. It's quite, quite a many, quite a few years ago now. And, um, she lives on the first floor. I live on the second floor. So I'm going around to the courtyard to knock on the door. Now there's a cemetery about two blocks away. You can see it from our window. Okay. So it's kind of like, not, too, not late, but it was dark. And she has light out there at her door. So I'm knocking on the door. All of a sudden, I hear something communicating to me, a female voice in this archaic English, like she's from the 15th century or something, trying to communicate to me. (laughs) I'm going, like she's trying to act like she wants to engage in a conversation. And she has this deep Gaelic, archaic English that she's speaking. And she has no body. And I'm going, how are you speaking to me? You don't even have a body. <laughs> well, what did she have? Just that voice. Just and the voice. A way to communicate. That's a an... way to communicate. Oh, she knew she didn't have a voice. I mean, she knew she didn't have a body. I'm sure she did. Maybe she didn't know. But, you know, she was out of her time. She was out of her grave. <laughs> <laughs> what was going on with that? And she wanted to carry on the conversation, very delightful conversation of some sort. I'm going, I'm saying to myself, you don't even have a body and you're trying to engage in the conversation with me. I don't even understand what you're saying. Yeah, what would you talk about? I guess you could ask her how things are in the afterlife. No, 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 no. I would not do that. <laughs> I would not do that because that would be asking for more than I really want probably to even see I'm not an investigator like that I'm just like that's why they call us experiencers Uh (laughs) I'm more of an experiencer I've experienced a lot but I don't uh, go after these things they randomly happen to me I wonder if when you're having these experiences if they're even willing to share that type of information with you I think when it comes to realms like this and the way they want to make an appearance on Earth, they want you to engage with them on some level. Uh, that, that tall angel that brought me up to look at her feathers in the wind, that's an engagement. That one that wants me to hear her voice and she has no body, but she, she's trying to get me to, uh, 
understand her message to me. That's to me is engagement. You know, right. when you, you know, it's like any anybody else that you want to try and get their attention. Like the dog showing up here the other night, and the other thing is the the reason why I'm telling you this, the way I I'm telling you it about how I feel about this stuff for real, because they know I'm not I'm not up to a lot of it. I'm just really not. It's too. First of all, is it going to bring peace to the world? Is it sustainable? What <laughs> coming into my existence? How is that going to help a hungry child? I mean, I I'm understand. To understand yeah. how it all, what sense it makes. Why come to me and ask me to give someone a message from you? And it's just such an unnerving thing. Is, are, are you taking into account how I feel? That's the other thing. They're not taking it into account how I feel about it. The Eternal Stand. Entering into portals of welcome and change, never to return to duality again. Our oneness is solid as rock, granite, and earth. As we watch our visions give birth, to a newness of life, a fresh and wonderful view, seen with eyes that tell the future, everlasting and new. We know that what we see is a forever plan, as we walk in our season and take the eternal stand. Yesterdays are gone in light of today, here, now, this moment chases old burdens away. This light shines with an everlasting glow. On the path with the ones who know, we walk together in truth, illustrious and grand, as we take our position in the eternal stand. The eternal stand is our decision to be an everlasting oneness, in sync, in harmony, to walk a path less traveled with a commitment to truth and light to emerge victorious in this forever fight. Wearing a crown of glory, honor, and praise, we are seekers after the better ways of God, the creator of man. And we are blessed to be among the ones who take the eternal stand. Oh, how about the ones they took me, they, they abducted me and I was in full conscious mode, okay? Okay. Now, this was about three years ago. I found a person that I'm thinking, oh, I can communicate with this group. They're, they're into all this stuff. I'm on the phone with him, right? Okay. All of a sudden, I get an image of a woman spoke to me. She just flashed in a nano of a second. I get a glimpse of her. And I hear what she said to me. She said, please come to my planet. Please come and visit my planet. That's what she said. And then when she, on her way out, she gave me her name. Do you know what and, planet uh, this was? I was on Octaurus. And I'm thinking, well, the the um, research I did about Octorians, they're short and they're not the ones that I was with. 
Well, come to find out, there's a lot of different species on Arcturus now. You don't get just one kind. Of course, they still inhabit their planet, and they still have a certain look. But there's other um, intergalactic travelers back and forth. And I was with some tall Egyptians, right. looking ladies, but they were there too. When I was sitting there talking about Earth, and you know how I felt about Earth, and um, how you know uh, my life or something like that, I was telling them. And um, so there was all kinds of intergalactic beings there. And he said, that's because we come and go from all galaxies. Uh, a Taurus is open to us to come there. So the ones that I sat with are not natives to Taurus. They're from other places, other galaxies. Hmm, interesting, right? That really is, yes. I'm glad they explained that to me. So now I'm curious, as well, where do you come from? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but you know they had their problems on their on their planets, and that's why they um, go to other planets. Problems on their planet. They have similar they have problems wars. as we do here. Yeah, probably even worse. War, probably violence, even worse because war, violence, uh, slavery mm. is a big one. But uh, um, I like this gentleman that I'm looking at now. I forget his name, Jason Rice. He's on Cosmic Disclosures, and he's talking to this other guy about his experiences. And he's telling you, yeah, they took him out in space, and this is what's going on. He's telling us what goes on out there. And it's just not a pretty picture at all <laughs> of oh, what okay. these um, beings are subjected to. So what he's talking about is pretty much the exact same type of experience you had. Yeah. But I'm sitting right here on Earth. You know, they manipulated him to go out there to fight for certain beings that needed help. And he gets all messed up. But they find a way to put him together because that's his mission is to help them. But then he sees the manipulation that the beings are under from the hierarchy of the plant of the of their uh, species, you know. Hmm. And it's so interesting what he he says with a straight face. He's got a straight face that he's saying us this to us. This is what's going on. Oh, you talking about space? Let me tell you something about it. I'm wondering. I'm going. See, his his motives are to uh, get this out there for it to be undisclosed you know so we understand what's going on because we live in this bubble of earth and we just don't understand uh, we have certain um, ways to think about things and it's just not true we're in denial of so much yes we're very materialistic here yeah and uh, it's just so fascinating the things that I'm realizing and I tell you, the reason why I can sit and listen to people like Jason Rice talk about space is because my visitors want me to know this. They want me to know about who they are. 
So sometimes I can have a full room of them just mulling around me. <laughs> really? <laughs> a, a whole room full of them. <laughs> I mean, I may be getting breakfast, I might be getting lunch, but I have a sense that they're just here because I'm open. They love my openness. Well, I, I, I'm not going to be any anything else but open. I mean, I I don't have any fear since I met Jesus. I don't have any fear. He never put fear in my heart about anything, you know. And that's why I'm open because I have no fear. Well, here lately, they want to send me again. They have a mission for me to go back out there. Now I'm no Jason Rice. So my experiences have all been benevolent and benign and just beautiful, really. However, the mission, they, they're trying to get me to understand. That's why the, the real, real old one came into my room and told me about this mission to please come to her planet. Well, they zapped me to her planet, so now I'm back home, and now I have to think about this stuff. And then they come and they give me what the plan is. Did I ask for this job? <laughs> I can I can say no. I know I can say no. But what happens is you want to. It's your calling. It's something that who else has this type type of job? Why would they ask me? My children are all grown. They're all wonderful kids, and they have their own families now. And I'm I'm retired, and I. So I, I feel like I'm ready for more of a challenge in my life. They know this. They put it in my heart and mind to be this way <laughs> because they're going to ask me to do a certain specific thing. One day, one shows up in my kitchen when I was in California. She wants to take off her hat because she wants me to see her bald cone head. Oh, well. So she takes off her hat, and she has a bald gold head. She said, see, what, what they're trying to do is they're trying to make me comfortable with them. And they don't want to hide anything. She was still beautiful, you know, with her cone head, you know. Have you ever seen the images online of, or maybe on a TV special, of the elongated skulls that are found in yes. South America? Yes. Was it like yes. that? It wasn't like that. Okay. It's more like the one. It's more like. Um, thank God it wasn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm kind of thinking she's beautiful like Nefertiti, so Nefertiti might have had a pretty okay. head, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it wasn't misshapen at all. It did have hair around there where they shaved. Okay. All the hair on top of the the head, the dome of the head. So when she took it off, it's just kind of comical because she had this hair around the sides, but none on top. And long hair around the side that they stuck under that. But they shaved, they actually shaved under there. I didn't know that until she showed me. I'll never forget it. It was beautiful. <laughs> and I didn't even tell you about the Book of Michael. Yeah, but I'm not talking about Michael the Archangel. I'm talking about a real life Michael. I'm talking about my son. Okay, now this is their, this is how they interact. 
this is one of the things they do, how they've been interacting in my life. I had an abortion, okay, I'm not proud of it, I regret it, you know, and everything, but I was dumb and stupid at the time. I had this abortion. I go in the hospital, safe environment and everything, and they give you something to kill a fetus and da 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 you know how it goes. You gotta wait till you abort the fetus. Well, this nurse, she tells me to turn around and look at it. Well, I didn't want to look at it. Oh, my. But I couldn't, I couldn't resist looking at it. I turned and looked at this little baby fetus, all uh, fully formed. Okay, I had to live with that image for many, many years. Okay, so fast forward to here, the last 10 years, uh, pastor said, we're going to... Uh, help you bury your memories of your abortions and you give give the baby a name and bury it. Well, that sounded like a, a you know, something that would work for me. So I gave this aborted baby a name many, many years ago. And that was that. We were supposed to forget it. <laughs> right? You just don't forget it. You don't forget it. Well, you know, I don't know if this was a gift or what. I... I I'm trying to understand the giftedness and all this stuff. I, I really am. Maybe somebody can help me with that part. I'm, I'm in the kitchen one day, fixing dinner for my family. I notice there's somebody standing near me. I look up, and it's a boy. Now, he's a grown man. I can tell he's a grown man, but he's a young man. He has a mustache kind of like, but he looks just like his dad. Well... He looks like the aborted fetus of the dad that I had to be, and I was okay. pregnant by. Okay. Looks like him, the guy I used to go out with, his father. Looked just like him. But here he is. Yeah, just like him, I could tell. Not only that, I could tell he was my son. It wasn't some strange ghost hanging out, no. And he and he treated me like I was his mom. It's a, It was a vibe thing, you know? I know that vibe thing when it comes to your children. Yeah. You know, they know you to be your mom, their mom. They, you know them to be their, your your children. And it was that kind of vibe. Because he was my son. He was a son I aborted 40 years ago. And he's grown. And he wants to be with his mother. And he got permission to come here to be with me. Because I'm open like this. <laughs> and I'm going, oh my God. That's a bit much. <laughs> that was a bit much. He's an angel, and he has his duties in heaven that he does. He's a grown man, flies around, he assists me and everything. He's just absolutely gorgeous. I don't regret that. Strangest thing. Isn't that something? How long do you think he was visiting you for at that time when you saw him? Well, they might have been visiting a long time, but when they make themselves known, like, you know, certain right. times... One time I had a dream about him. I didn't know it was him until I recognized him when I had that um, encounter with him in the kitchen that uh, he was a guy in my dream with a hat on. And I said, could you go fix that plug over there, please? Could you just fix that plug? <laughs> so he's bending down on the wall fixing the plug and with this hat on, and I couldn't really see his face. But when he turned his face around, it was him with this beautiful smile on his face. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, so beautiful. 
It was Michael. That's such a gift to me, that kind of stuff. How about the time I go into an office and the lady is a racist, okay? I can tell she's a racist because of how she's dealing with me. So I get up to leave the office and I look up in the corner of her office is a demon and he has her on strings like a puppet. And I'm looking at this thing, right? But when I see that, I, I got to pray because that is just not good. I don't care who, who's on the, on, the, on the end of a demon. It's just not good. She was being a puppet for this demon in her office that was up in the ceiling. And I'm looking at this thing. You know, to look at her, you wouldn't think that she would be against God, but she was a puppet <laughs> of the wrong type of thinking. And he's pulling her strings. I didn't like that. I didn't I didn't take it out against her. I had to pray against him. You know, they look for victims. They look for people who can they can get away with that stuff, I guess. Do the demon look similar to as they are depicted in artwork or even in Hollywood? This particular one looks like a gargoyle of some sort. Really? You know, gargoyle type. Yeah, he was pretty, mm, pretty yucky looking, kind of like. They never scare me. I'm just so, what the heck? Why are you hanging out? What is, what's going on? And then you meet them in human form just walking down the street. Sometimes I can look up and see heavenly beings as well as demon, demonic beings. I don't see too many demonic beings, but it could happen. So when you think it's your time, you, know, you pass on, do you think all your questions will be answered? Yeah, because when they give you a mission, a mission to do, you're going to be brought into the truth of why. <laughs> and this is always my question. Well, why would I want to do that? Why would I even do that? Well... Tomorrow, why did you call us to you? Why are you so open? We have things for you to do. We have, you know, we want to give you your heart's desire, but we want to be your heart's desire as well. I call myself a Christian missionary type person, and I'm telling you, these encounters, they, they, they can fill your life. And that wraps up this month's episode of the Paranormal Search radio show and podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach us at paranormalsearch717 at gmail.com. If you'd like to reach out to our guest, Devorah DeVitt, she can be reached at devoradevitt, the number zero, at gmail.com. That's D-E-V-O-R-A-H. D-E-V-I-T-T-0 at gmail.com Currently, our monthly meetings are still canceled. Please check our Facebook page for any updates when we may be meeting in person again. And thank you all for listening. Thank you for joining us this episode. If you would like to attend our monthly meetings, you may do so by visiting the Lower Paxton Municipal Building in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We meet the second Wednesday of every month between the hours of 7 and 9 p.m. 
please visit our Facebook page, that is Paranormal Search of Pennsylvania. There you will find links to our YouTube channel and website.